It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. All right. Welcome to Money for Lunch, ladies and gentlemen. Um, just excited that you're here. And today we're going to have uh, a very special guest, as all my guests are, uh, talking about you and your money because uh, it's what's important, right? Uh, it's not the most important thing, but gosh darn it, it's the most important thing when it comes to your finances. Uh, so uh, we're going to be talking about that. Uh, but Interestingly enough, one of my Trekkie fans, one of my Trekkie, uh, one of our listeners who happens to be a Trekkie fan like I am, sent me this very apropos uh, quote to share on the show. So if you have a favorite quote, you want me to share it on the show, send it to me. I'm on all the social media uh, platforms, or you can send it to Bert at BertMartinez.com. We'll take uh, and if we obviously use your show, we'll give you full credit, and you'll get some luscious money for lunch swag. So uh, before I get into the quote of the day, real quick, I want to say congratulations to to. Let's see if I got this. Well, looks like Philip J. I'm just going to go with Philip J. Uh, Philip J. Uh, just yesterday purchased Dominating Your Mind for free. I know that sounds weird, but if you go to dominatingyourmind.com, you can get my latest book for free. It's about crushing your fear, destroying your doubts, so you can be unstoppable. Dominating Your Mind will help you overcome uh, anything that's holding you back. And what's our number one thing that holds us back is fear. Uh, so it'll help definitely crush your fears, destroy your doubts. Dominatingyourmind.com. Philip J., thank you. And so here's the deal. You can go to Amazon and get the book. It's 20 bucks plus shipping and handling. Or you go to Dominating Your Mind. Get the book for free. You pay a little shipping and handling. So you make you you can make the decision. All right. The quote of the day, and this quote of the day was sent in by Cindy. Cindy, thank you so much for sharing this quote. If saving money is wrong, I don't want to be right. And that is by William Shatner of Star Trek fan. So that's uh, how that all ties in together because I started talking about that and then I got sidetracked. So if saving money is wrong. I don't want to be right by good old William Shatner. Uh, and uh, anyway, so let's get this party started today on the show. Peter Lazaroff. Peter Lazaroff is, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, a guy who uh, has a lot of knowledge when it comes to money. Um, who knew, by the way, Peter, who knew from a young age that he had a Future in investing. Today, Peter is the chief investment officer at PlanCorp, which manages over $4 billion, with a B, $4 billion for his clients. What makes Peter unique is his, his personable, big brother, perspective, and unique ability to, sim to simplify complex issues for anyone. Uh, he's here to share insights from his upcoming book, excuse me, Make Money Simple, and help you understand what today's financial landscape means for you and your money. 
And I love this idea of the big brother perspective. I was talking to Peter. Uh, him and I were both uh, sharing uh, a little time together before uh, while we were snacking. Uh, and he does have a very personable, easygoing, kind of a big brother approach. Peter Lazaroff, welcome to Money for Lunch. Hey, thanks for having me, Bert. It's good to have you here. And, uh, you know, I'm excited. I think that money is so important. And, you know, you always hear people say, oh, money, that is not that. It isn't the most important thing. And it's not the most important thing. But it is when you need it. Uh, there's a lot of us that that suffer in silence because we don't have enough money for adequate health care. There's a lot of us that would love to do more for our kids, but we can't afford it. So money isn't everything, but doggone it, it's probably the top two or three or four things that make life a lot better. So I'm excited to have you on the show and talk about uh, money, making money simple. Yeah, that's the idea. Uh, making Money Simple came out uh, earlier this month. And you're right. I mean, money's a really key concept to being a, an important tool for us to accomplish our goals. And we really don't learn about money basics in elementary school. We don't teach it. Many high school seniors how to budget or pay bills. And most college graduates don't take a course in personal finance. So, um, you know, in school, you're given a lesson, then a test. In life, you're given a test, and then you learn the lesson, and money lessons can be super expensive. So hopefully, um, you know, we can, we can help out a few people, you know, think of that. I think all the listeners probably have that one thing that they've been ignoring for a while somewhere in their financial life, and it's different for everybody. But now they're thinking about it, they're like, yeah, I, I didn't mean to follow up on X, Y, or Z. Hopefully we can get people taking some good actions today uh, by the end of the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um... You know, there is, uh, I think, um, because of all the marketing out there, money has become complicated. You know, when I was young and dumb, the theory was you, you save and invest 10% of what you earn. And compound interest is a wonderful thing when it's working for you. It It's... Uh, it can feel like a hammer when it's working against you. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, bottom line is I think that we as a society in the good, good old U.S. of A., we have the lowest amount of people saving money, and I think we have one of the highest bankruptcy rates across the world, right? I mean, it, it – and maybe there's no connection there, but bottom line is, and you correct me if I'm wrong, we are not saving nearly close to 10%. Yeah, I think in aggregate that's probably true. And um, you know, rules of thumb are nice starting places. And if you're saving 10% of your income, that's definitely better than saving 0%. But some people might want to need or might need to save 20% if they haven't been saving Um some people who start right out of college, if you can afford to save 30%, by all means, um, a good savings rate can cover up a lot of bad financial decisions along the way. And you made reference to compounding um, earlier. I think it's really important because a lot of financial success, it's, it's not magic. It's simply engineering. And time is the most powerful tool in your toolbox because time mixed with compound interest can grow wealth exponentially. And I think that 
where compound interest goes underappreciated is if people have sat through a math class, like, yeah, compound interest means it grows really big. Well, yeah, that, that's true, but a good financial plan lever- makes a lot of small decisions that are barely noticeable in the near term, but because of the actions and the decisions you make, they happen consistently over time, and over time they compound into incredible results. And so I think that generally speaking, you know, the human brain isn't wired to think of exponential things that clearly. You're know, really good at understanding what one plus one plus one looks like. But what if I told you to pick up a piece of printer paper right now and it's a tenth of a millimeter thick and you fold it in half and you're going to double the thickness of that piece of paper, right? right. Um, it's now two tenths of a millimeter thick. You fold that paper in half again and it's doubled in size again. So now instead of one tenth of a millimeter, it's four tenths of a millimeter. Now, you can't fold a piece of paper more than seven or eight times, but if I were to fold that piece of paper 50 times, what do you think that the, how big do you think it would be? Just a quick ballpark. It's going to be. Well, Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's going to be fifty. It's going to be fifty centimeters, whatever, whatever, whatever the what was it? What was the initial? Uh, <laughs> the initial. It was a tenth of a no, millimeter. Yeah, tenth of a millimeter. So, so I, mean, I was going to say it'd be fifty millimeters, but it wouldn't be fifty millimeters. It'd be like five hundred millimeters, wouldn't it? It would be ninety-five million miles. It'd be the distance from Earth to the Sun. And you know what? Wow. Your, your answer is not that different from most people because, again, our brains are formulated to think linearly and the exponential power of compounding is incredible. And so when you think of this doubling exercise of a piece of paper um, and this graphic uh, is within the book. So if you go by making money simple, this is in chapter one, I believe the paper folding and you know, how, how far it can go if you keep folding the piece of paper, but think about this, how many doubling lives, doubling periods do you have in your life? Because I just showed you how powerful it is to double something 50 times. You know, just as something like as simple as the rule of 72, which says if you take 72 and divide it by an expected return, that's how many years it takes your money to double. So the example I use a lot throughout the book is if we assume an 8% return um, for really no other reason than making the math really clean, that means it would take nine years for your money to double. And so, you know, I'll ask you and the listeners again, how many doubling periods are left in your life? And there's probably multiple decades, and you can make such a big difference. Anything you do today, one, two, three decades from now, is going to have an enormous impact. And I think people get crippled by a number of things when they're approaching finances. I mean, it starts out with the fact that there's so many choices, and the complexity of each underlying option makes it difficult to get started. Um, you know, but the other piece is that there aren't clear-cut rules for financial success, uh, a common saying, and I don't know who originally said this, but this is not my quote. It's personal finance, finance is a lot more personal than it is finance. And so that makes it challenging. And then, you know, third, we're really not hardwired to make good decisions. And then finally, I think people just get discouraged by the speed of their process, progress. So mm-hmm. it's really cliche to compare getting financially healthy to physically healthy. But if you want to be physically healthy, you eat well, and you exercise regularly. But the thing is, you don't go to the gym once for 30 minutes and expect to have a six-pack. And that's the same thing with your finances. It isn't you do one action, and then tomorrow everything's fine. But what is better than the gym when you think about your finances, all it takes is about 30 minutes to do one thing 
that will give you a six pack and you never have to go to the gym again, the financial gym, as I'm doing these air quotes that nobody can see. Uh, but for <laughs> listeners who want to find out what, yeah, right. <laughs> they, uh, for listeners who want to find out what is that one thing or two things um, I built, you know, while I was writing the book, I decided to build something called smartmoneyquiz.com. It's nine questions. It's really simple to fit, uh, fill it out. And what you get from filling out uh, simple money quiz, yeah, smartmoneyquiz.com. I'm getting confused. Smartmoneyquiz.com is you'll get three, maybe four kind of places where your finances need the most attention, as well as resources to help you get started today and take advantage of those doubling periods you have left. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's amazing. And, and, and so you can go to smartmoneyquiz.com, smartmoneyquiz.com and take that. Uh, you know, you and I were talking about what a great time that we live in because when I was growing up, you know, the, the adage was you save, you save and invest 10%. And I think financially speaking, the world's become more complicated. You talked about that, you know, it's just hard to, unless, unless you make it a full-time job, it's very difficult for a lay person to say, okay, I'm ready to invest my 10%. uh, Where should I do it? And, and there, there are so many options, but what's so nice today is we have these little micro investing opportunities that weren't available. So a lot of them like Acorns and Stash, both have been guests on my show. You know, you can start, you can get started with as little as I think $5. I think Acorns is zero, Uh, but Acorns, what Acorns does is it allows you to round up. So um, if you're buying uh, a $3 and five cent latte, which you shouldn't be, I'm sorry to tell you that, but if you're, if you're buying a $3.05 widget, uh, you can tell Acorns to round it up to the, ne- to the nearest uh, quarter, the nearest half dollar, to the nearest uh, 75 cents, or the nearest uh, dollar. So what it will do, that $3 latte will now be a $4 latte. 95 of it goes into your savings account, Acorn savings account, and they automatically invest it for you. Just about everybody can do something like that. And, and, and even though... $5 doesn't seem like a whole lot, and, and, and maybe in reality it's not that much, but $5 is so much better than zero. Absolutely, and I think the, the key with what you're describing, particularly by leveraging technology, which I think is so important, when I um, built somewhat the system that I describe in making money simple. I built it over a decade ago when I was out of college and you couldn't automate this much stuff and you had to mm-hmm. exercise a lot of financial willpower. And the thing about willpower is it's like a muscle and it gets tired over time. And eventually what happens is it's easy to let things slip through the crack. And so that's why building systems that are going to automate ongoing financial decisions is so important. If you decide to put $50 away every paycheck towards a specific goal and you automate that, well, then you never give yourself the opportunity to back out of it or forget or uh, make an excuse. And so automation is a tremendous tool. But a decade ago, there were only a few ways you could automate automate things. I mean, there was some automatic bill pay. You could automatically contribute to your company retirement plan. There were a few platforms where you could automatically send money to, but 
automation is a foregone conclusion with any sort of financial platform at this point. And I think, you know, the other enhanced form of financial, I guess, if, they, you know, if you can't take the human nature out of humans, like we know that we're going to be lazy and we're going to forget to do things and we're going to resist change and we're going to make poor financial decisions for all sorts of reasons. These automating the systems and the processes go a long way in creating the positive outcomes. But I will also note that I do think an advisor still is going to amplify that result. You know, a human advisor is just an enhanced form of financial automation because the word automatic though by definition means having the capability of operating independently. So if you don't have a lot of savings, I think going to an uh, online platform like brightplan.com or you'd mentioned Acorn, so those are great resources for automatically saving towards a goal and building out a financial plan in which you, know, you understand where the money needs to be directed. And then for something like Brightplan, it'll give you, you know, the, it's machine learning and that it gives you advice on how to better position yourself to reach the goals that you've set for yourself. But a human advisor, you know, it has the capability of operating independently too. So that is a form of automation. And much like technology automation, it does everything for you, a human advisor. Unlike technology-driven automation, a human advisor is going to provide far more dynamic automation and proactive, customized advice specifically to your needs. Uh, Now, of course, I'm a financial advisor, so I probably sound pretty biased, but um, if it makes any difference, you know, I hired PlanCorp this year to be my financial advisor. I'm a CFA. I'm a CFP. I, you know, obviously am chief investment officer for uh, a firm that requires $4 billion of management. You know, that's what's in my job description is to oversee uh, the portfolios. And yet I've hired somebody else because I just know that I'll let things slip through the crack. Life gets busy. And it's also great to have that objective third party there. I think, if automation was the you know big advancement for a lot of people with their finances, I think the other big piece of advancement was just awareness of costs and awareness of a fiduciary standard. Because if you are going to work with somebody, it's just crucial that they are working as a fiduciary at all times. And if people don't know what the word fiduciary means, it's a legal obligation to put the client's interest above the advisor's own. Um, there's a there's a lot of people operating under a different standard that. You know, they're allowed to sell you products or make recommendations to make trades, and it bumps up their compensation. That's really not aligned with what's at best interest for you, the end user. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. You mentioned something uh, that uh, kind of reminded me of, you know, a lot of people call it lifestyle creep or, you know, life creep or, you know, life gets in your way. So how do you keep – life or lifestyle creep from sabotaging your goals is that all is that an automation device is that i think willpower sure what's what's your strategy for that so i think automation goes a long way in stomping out lifestyle creep so first let's define lifestyle creep um you know basically people tend to get some kind of a raise each year and without a plan to save that raise it's really easy to use up the raise by adding a few luxuries to your regular spending and it can start with little things like adding a premium cable channel or buying more expensive bottles of wine making more frequent phone upgrades giving nicer gifts buying nicer seats at a sporting event whatever the list of potential lifestyle upgrades can just go on forever and ever and ever. And each of these things individually don't seem harmful, especially as you're earning more and you can truly afford a few more luxuries, but the little things have a way of adding up. And before you know it, you sort of adapt to this lifestyle without even really noticing it. 
Um, so lifestyle creep happens when your spending rises with your income and you adjust to the more expensive way of living. And once you get used to one or any of these type of upgrades, eliminating, eliminating them is very hard to do. It's very uncomfortable. And um, most studies show that our, most of our, in, our greatest inflation-adjusted income growth comes in our 20s. Um, it, it still grows in our 30s and 40s, but at a declining pace, um, and typically then peaks in your 50s. So it's crucial to have a system in place that's going to keep lifestyle creep under control when you receive these raises. And, you know, if you are utilizing a system where you're automatically putting away money, a great way to bake in for future raises is to have automatic escalations to your contributions. Now, there's something that was really rare to see a decade ago, but now you see all across different platforms. So if I am saving 10% of my income, you might consider uh, and on January 1st of each year, having that percentage go up by a percent. So instead of 10%, you do 11%. Or if you're doing a dollar amount and you're saving $10,000 a year, then the next year you save $11,000. And I'm a real bigger, big believer in trying to make, not making these grand changes, you know, these big statement changes that say, I'm going to fix everything and, you know, try to do go go all in and make these big changes and then it's harder to stick to i'm a big fan of doing things that are hard to notice you know make savings changes that you won't really miss you know you wouldn't miss we were talking about five dollars a day five dollars a day really adds up over time i mean if you save five dollars a day for your for a 35 year working career you're going to have roughly one and a half million dollars with an eight percent return that's pretty impressive um but you probably like like you said earlier, you wouldn't notice $5 a day. Um, and you can probably find a place in your budget to do that. Um, so I do think the automation is a huge part of stomping out lifestyle creep. The other piece is just really intentionally setting goals. Um, so a lot of what my book, Making Money Simple, goes through in the first four chapters is identifying goals and prioritizing those goals based on what's mathematically optimal for growing your net worth, as well as what's uh, scientifically optimal for increasing the happiness you get from your money and then building a system to achieve those, setting up this automated system and all the different steps you have to take. It's really simple. Anybody can do it. Um, but four chapters in, you already have a system that ought to stomp out lifestyle creep as well as make you a little bit more aware of what your spending is and a little bit more intentional about prioritizing that spending. Yeah. You know, and this, and it does take a little bit of discipline. It's again, it's, it's you make that commitment to, to the lifestyle, whether it's it's, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It could be your health, it could be relationships, it could be you know money, obviously, but it is making that commitment and. Sometimes, you know, back to what you're talking about, uh, lifestyle creep. Sometimes, and, and we saw a lot of people do this in 2007, 2008. You have to be courageous enough to give back some, or to get rid of some of your lifestyle. You get a smaller home, you get uh, cheaper cars, and you take that money and you invest it. And sometimes those are the tough things that we have to do if we're committed to having some kind of nest egg security retirement, right? 
Sure. And I think, you know, a lot of it just comes with a little bit of simple planning. And that's what all the book is about. I think, generally speaking, people make financial decisions without the end in mind. They really don't think mm-hmm. about the future. Even when they're saving, they kind of save aimlessly. And what's interesting is that research shows us that our brains think of saving in an equivalent manner as giving money away to a complete stranger. So like there's been a number of studies of neuro. I mean, it's crazy, right? The neural pattern, the neural patterns in our brain are identical between saving for our future selves and giving money away to a complete stranger. And so we need to find a way to bridge this gap, uh, bridge this disconnect. And a lot of that's really intentional goal setting and there's good goal setting and there's bad goal setting in the book, making money simple. I walk through that and some of the smartmoneyquiz.com can, can point you in the right direction there. But, you know, once you've set goals and you know where you're trying to go and you have an idea of where you are today, well, then you can start, you, you might find that, Hey, you're spending too much. And, um, you're, well, one thing you can do about that is, there's an exercise that I like to go through with people where if you print off um, your credit card statements, just the last month of credit card statements, and this works really well when you do it with another person. So if you're married, you do it with your spouse, or if you're single, maybe you do it with a, a close friend, but you go through each expense on the, on the statement and you write either high value, low value, or no value. Mm. And for all the no values that you and your significant other, um, have matched on, well, it's easy. Just get rid of those. And I will tell you what, here's something that's also changed a lot in the last 10 years is, boy, are there a lot of subscriptions. Like just generally yes. speaking, people have a lot of subscriptions. And I've watched people go through this exercise and lots of subscriptions fall into the no value or the low value. And if both of you have something marked low value, you might talk about it and say, yeah, we really don't need this. And that's a real, that's one of those kind of quick 30 minute exercises that kind of gives you a financial six pack for life. You know, you won't see the impact immediately, but it's really easy to take advantage of. Um, There are some simple changes you can make for bigger savings, like buying term life insurance instead of permanent whole life insurance or increasing the deductibles on your auto insurance or home insurance, Um, buying cars less frequently. You'd mentioned something about cars. So the average length of car ownership in America is 6.6 years. And so that means the average person is going to buy I don't know, nine or 10 cars from the time they graduate college until they reach reach age 85, assuming they're driving, you know, in their seventies and eighties. But if you drive your car for eight years instead of 6.6, that means you've bought two fewer cars between the ages of 22 and 85. And if you compound the cost savings of buying fewer cars over multiple decades, you suddenly get a pretty big bump in your net worth. So these are kind of some of those, you know, there are some, big changes you can make um, that I just listed, but I really do think that exercise of printing off a statement. Um, if you have an expense aggregator like mint or like bright plan where you can just print off all your expenses and not have to go to the different credit card statements, that's real easy. And just mark high value, low value, no value. It will be pretty clear what needs to stay and what needs to go. Yeah. What a great exercise right there. That is something that's going to have an immediate impact. Uh, and the reality is, is that, I think a lot of us probably have at least one or two things that are low value or no value, right? Uh, it's just common. Uh, and I think that uh, to me, that that is such a simple thing that you can do it with as a family. 
again, you mentioned as a, as a couple you can do it, but I think you can do it as a family, meaning you, you bring all the kids together and you say, hey, this is all the stuff that we're paying for and this is, you know, whatever, whatever, and, and you make it kind of a, a family plan, family meeting, whatever it's called, uh, and, and I think that could be a lot of fun, uh, get everybody on the yeah. same page, so to speak. And, and okay, so let me ask you this. Um, well, wait, let me tell you real quickly, though. What I love about that idea is, you know, I mentioned earlier, we don't teach money in school. Where you teach money is at home. And so if you right. do that exercise with your family, now you're having a real honest conversation with your children, and they're learning something about spending money and not spending more than they earn and living within their means. And my goodness, I mean, I think that'd be a tremendous exercise to do with your family. And I have a six year old and a two year old. And the six-year-old has been getting an allowance since he's four, and I have pretty honest money conversations with him. Uh, and I think that is probably an exercise. He wouldn't understand a lot of the expenses, and I'm sure as I spoke out loud to a six-year-old to try to explain what some things are, I might realize how silly they are in the grand scheme of things. So I kind of like your touch there of doing it as a family activity. Sure. Uh, thank you. Absolutely. All right. The book again is called Making Money Simple. I'm going to put a link here in the show notes. It's available on Amazon or wherever you buy your favorite books. Making Money Simple. Uh, the author is Peter Lazaroff. All right. So let me ask you this. Um, because we're a little short on time. The three crucial elements of building a strong financial you, you, we've been calling it a six-pack, but, you know, financial house, financial yeah, statement. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, sure. what are your thoughts? You have, what are the three? So I think um, intentionality, although I don't use that word exactly in the book, intentionality with your planning. So that means really setting up a system and processes in place to help you make good decisions over and over again um, with minimal ongoing effort on your part. So that's a big part of it. Uh, the second piece is automation. It helps you achieve that, that intentionality. But automation works in your benefit in so many ways. I mean, we really haven't talked about investing at all to this point. And my goodness, are we bad investors? I mean, we're just the, – the makeup of our DNA, everything about it is going to have people want to make bad investment decisions. Automation – basically – Uh, sorry, I think I lost you there for a second. It allows you yep. to make better financial decisions over and over again, make fewer financial decisions over and over again, because a lot of investment success is about minimizing mistakes and just staying the heck out of compounds interest way. And so that's what automation is a lot about. And then the, the third thing really is to, um, to track and monitor. And so technology makes that easier. You know, we have um, a financial platform called BrightPlan, that both our clients at PlanCorp use, but you don't have to be a client of PlanCorp to use BrightPlan. Um, you just go to brightplan.com, and you can, I think there's a free trial right now, actually, as I think about it. Uh, and those are really the three things uh, at a super, super high level that get discussed throughout the book, um, you know, in order to, to get your financial house in order. I love it. I love it. Uh, okay, so BrightPlan, that's, I guess, uh, you also mentioned, uh, was it PlanCorp? Yeah, so PlanCorp, that's, you know, we're a national wealth management firm. We have $4 billion for clients all across the country. But what we recognize is, you know, our, our minimum investment at PlanCorp is half a million dollars. And we realize that not everybody has that money. And we also feel that everybody deserves 
to have fiduciary advice, deserves to have good fiduciary advice. And so we created a digital platform called Bright Plan. You just go to brightplan.com. It is the only digital solution that is certified by the Center of Fiduciary Excellence to have that CFIX certification for fiduciary standards. And all you need is $500 to open an investment account and you get access to a plan corp advisor. Uh, and it's, it's really a phenomenal thing. We're super excited about democratizing good financial advice for people. Um, and if you're interested, you know, in learning more, you can go to brightplan.com. Um, certainly if you go to smartmoneyquiz.com and, you know, some of the things that you need to work on are right in Bright Plan's wheelhouse. Well, then it will let you know that. Um, similarly, on the other end with PlanCorp. But generally speaking, um, you know, we're we're just really excited. I think the book speaks to a large audience, but we realize even then we can't serve all that audience if they don't have the assets to work with PlanCorp. And that's when Bright Plan's a great option. I love it. I love it. Make Money Simple is the name of the book. Um, you know, I do want to talk about this real quick because you – mentioned it a couple of times, finding somebody who has a fiduciary designation is so important because most financial advisors, now I'm using the air quotes that people can't see, <laughs> you know, everybody and their dog is considered a financial advisor. There's people out there who sell insurance and they'll put financial advisor on their, you know, on their, uh, what do you call it, business card or signature sure. or letterhead, whatever you want to call it. Yep. And they're not really a true financial advisor. They can sell you insurance. They can sell you uh, inexpensive or expensive insurance. That's kind of, you know, uh, more or less what they have for, you know, as far as their financial advice. But finding somebody with a fiduciary uh, designation is so important because, as you mentioned, this is somebody who has to put your needs in front of theirs. They're not tied into a specific product. Uh, they're not being uh, pressured by the company to sell you a certain amount of whatever, uh, and not everybody operates as a fiduciary. Am I right? Did I mess anything up? No, I think you nailed it. And um, while making money simple certainly can give you everything you need to achieve financial su success on your own, the final chapter is dedicated to all the different titles and credentials and standards for advisors and try to help define the marketplace as opposed to tell you what's right from wrong, it just defines it. And I think you'll draw your own conclusions. And then there's just a four step process for how to hire an advisor. Um, if you choose to go down that route and that includes human or digital, because now I think, you know, digital advisors really filled an important marketplace um, in the country it, it, because the people who were previously serving those who couldn't access fiduciary advice, you know, the people serving them were typically not giving them fiduciary advice. So, um, you know, I think it's really an important concept. The hiring an advisor is one of those things where it's a lot like mowing your lawn. Like it is a full-time job. Anybody can do it, but when you yes. suddenly hire a professional to do it, it looks better in, you know, the outcomes better and you have more time to spend on things you love. Well, and I'll give you I'll give you something that uh, that I love about my financial advisor, and that is uh, he's got a huge tax background. So not only is he concerned about making us money, but he's also concerned about taxes. And so we do tax planning as part of our financial thing. And and to me, the human element, depending on where you're at, 
sooner or later, the human element is important. And maybe you start off with the digital, maybe you start off with the, the AI. And, and or, or as we talked about today, you start off at five bucks a week, and then you're, you're at $5 a day. And then before you know it, you're, you're going to uh, plan corp with your $500,000 uh, asset there. Uh, so, you know, starting today is, uh, to me, is, is uh, no matter where you're at, is start, start, you know, start small and, and go from there. Uh, the book, again, is, uh, here, uh, dang it. Uh, Making Money Simple. Make Money Simple. Making Money Simple. Making Money Simple. Um, and, uh, Peter, I've had a blast with you on the show. Love to bring you back and talk more about money. And, uh, and I want to wish you the best of luck with the book. Making Money Simple. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Bert. Talk to you soon. All righty. Good stuff there from Peter Lazaroff, best-selling author. Man, uh, Make Money Simple. It's not as complicated as people want to make it. You have to have an intention or a desire. Um, and the sooner you start, the better you get, the, the better the results get. Share the show. Let's share the show with everybody that we want to help retire and make more money. Let's share the show with everybody we know. Remember, my friends, you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.